do we properly appreciate and properly activate our interdependency? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Pais with another episode of Tachlis Talks, the last episode of Tachlis Talks for the year 5782. Tachlis Talks are, as always, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts, and we are up to the Torah portion of Nitzavim. Nitzavim opens up with Moshe talking to the children of Israel, all of us, we're all gathered together over there. Atem Nitzavim, all of you are gathered over here. Leaders, down to the juniors. And Moshe is addressing the fact that we're about to enter into a pact of Rechabibris to pass into a covenant with God. But that seems a little surprising because we already are bound with a covenant to God. Way back at Sinai, what is happening in this week's Parsha? What is this new bris, this covenant, at this juncture? Rashi points out that the Hayom, Moshe is talking the last day of his life. And there's some commentaries that find a hint in that word Hayom to this being reflection of another very significant day. Rashi, in his commentary to the book of Job and Eov, when it says their Hayom, understands that that Hayom the very day refers to Rosh Hashanah. Oh, well, that would be particularly um, interesting and uh, convenient for us to now be addressing Rosh Hashanah as well. But like, what about this Parsha? Really has anything to do with Rosh Hashanah? Next question is that the flow of the verses, it's very hard to perceive this in English, but when Moshe is saying, you're gathered over here, you and your family, your offspring, all the you, in Hebrew, is the plural form of you. Atem and tabchem, nishechem, is a plural term of you. And then the Parsha continues when it talks about the covenant of You singular are passing into this covenant. Why is it changing from the plural to the singular? Particularly when we're talking about the covenant that we're all joining into. These all can be answered with a combination of elements uh, shared in an essay in the work Mima Amakim, the collection of the writings of the students of Ramosha Shapiro, blessed memory. And in really was an introduction to a very lengthy essay. Uh, he shares the following fascinating idea, and particularly relevant to all of us as we stand facing Rosh Hashanah, but ultimately throughout life as well. The covenant of this week's Parsha, as reflected in several commentators, is the covenant of what we call Arvus, Arvus or Arvut, which is the interconnectivity and the interdependency of all of Israel. Arvus has multi-elements to it. One, which sounds like a very maybe ominous one, is that we can't disregard others' behavior with the claim that that's his business. What she does, that's her affairs. If we are aware of the activities of another, we do not have the license or the luxury to simply say that's between them and God, it affects all of us. If we are in a boat together and only one passenger in the boat is choosing to drill a hole in the floor of his or her cabin, it behooves all of us to try to intercede and not let them get away with the claim, well, I paid for this cabin, this is my domain right now. We're all in that literal boat together. Well, we're all in the figurative boat passing through life in this world together, and the interconnectivity of Israel has it, that if one or more individuals do things that 
I could in some way be discouraging some wrong behavior, encouraging a right behavior, we have an imperative to do so. There's a second element of Arvus, of this interdependency, which allows you to do a mitzvah on my behalf, or me on your behalf. I can sit at your Shabbos table and you can make Kiddush for me. I can blow a shofar for you, as long as we are all attentive to what's happening and focused on the fact that this is a shared mitzvah experience, it can be a shared mitzvah experience, and we can all get the credit for that mitzvah. This has its limitations. I can't wrap tefillin for somebody else. Some mitzvahs have to be done on one's body, but many, many mitzvahs do not have that limitation, and one individual can be executing the mitzvah on behalf of many others, and they all get credit for that mitzvah. There's a third element of arbus, and that is an element that the righteous can provide merit for many others who may not have the merit and secure a positive outcome, sort of many people who are uh, in a situation where they are at risk of drowning and only one knows how to swim, only one can reach the tow line, but the others can grab on to him or her, they can be saved by the fact that they've latched on to somebody who has the resources or the talent to provide the resolution to this problem. So three elements of the Arvus. One, that responsibility for each other. I've got to be attentive to what others are doing, and I am held responsible for what others are doing if I could intercede. Number two, we have the capacity to be assisting others in the fulfillment of the mitzvah and providing others with mitzvah outcome. And number three, we can be pulled up and held secure by the righteous, even when we don't necessarily have that title ourselves. This joining together helps explain, number one, the flow of the verses. When it opened up in the plural, and Moshe's talking to the plural, all of Israel in the plural, the Vilna Gaon tells us when the Torah talks in the plural, it may sound ironic at first, but if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. When the Torah talks to the plural, it's talking to individuals, to many, many, many disparate individuals. When the Torah talks in the singular, is talking to the collective of the nation. So until we're discussing that pact, that bris, that covenant, which is the covenant of this interdependency and interconnectivity, until we address that fact, it's in the plural because we are all ultimately somewhat isolated from each other. But then when he is addressing entering into the pact, he shifts to the singular because now he's talking about this entity of Klal Yisrael, of Am Yisrael, this natural organism that has taken all the individual cells and have them unite into one vibrant living entity. That pact sheds light on another intriguing element that's going to be very relevant on Rosh Hashanah. Many of us will sit down to festive meals. We will don beautiful holiday garb and be in a rather festive mode, which the sages say is a little bit peculiar. That's not how you usually act when you're facing a judge, you don't celebrate. You don't typically uh, have a party type feel as you're about to enter a courtroom when you really recognize that a lot is on the line. And the sages respond, ah, but Israel as a nation, Israel's their betuchim, they have a trust in the outcome being a good outcome. But that itself is surprising because why should we have such a trust? Isn't that a chutzpah on our part to all believe that we're righteous? Uh, can we not be truthful in ourselves and analyze and recognize there's areas of failure we have not yet corrected? There's areas of, of mitzvah that we have not yet perfected? 
So why would we be brazen enough to claim that, oh, this is going to be a good outcome to this case because I'm such a tzaddik, I'm so righteous. Is that legit? So here again, the commentaries explain there are two elements to the judgment. There's the judgment of all of the individuals as individuals, and to that, really, there should be a sense of awe and a sense of relative dread. But there's also the judgment of the entity of Kal Yisrael. There's the judgment of the entire organism. And because of this interdependency and this interconnectivity, your organism can be lifted by the individuals that do merit that title of tzaddik, of righteous. Many of us may be, unfortunately, in situations that as individuals, we could be at risk of drowning, but we could be holding on to that righteous one and their merit can help us as a group succeed. Although again, we are responsible for the judgment that comes our way as the individuals. To this, the famed altar of Kelm, a great Muslim personality of pre-war Europe, described that it behooves us as we're approaching Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Hashanah itself, and as we are making commitments toward the future, to focus on being the type of people where this concept of arvus, of interconnectivity, is really meaningful. If we appreciate that it's there, and we appreciate that it can be a benefit because it can help us gain the merit of those righteous individuals, then we should also activate it by being the type of people who are more absolutely interconnected, more part of that web of this organism, meaning the type of people that other people depend upon, the type of people that community depends upon. And in being, whether our tzedakah dollars make that happen, whether our greeting people in a positive, upbeat way makes that happen, where they're reaching out to others who are in situations of trouble and making that happen. This past week, I had the pleasure of listening to um, Rabbi Eitan Feiner, who was a guest here in Cincinnati, who shared that one of his congregants noticed a list in Israel of gemachs. Gemachs are, quote-unquote, free loan societies, where people offer materials that they have available to others at no cost, and classically money, because it's a misfit to be lending money without any interest. But in many, many communities, there are folding chairs, gemach. If you're making a celebration, you don't want to invest in the 20 chairs, but so-and-so has a basement full or a garage full of folding chairs. And many, many communities have medical supply gemachs. Uh, you have guests coming who needs a wheelchair for Shabbos. Many communities have a variety of gemachs, but he was perplexed by one gemach in this list one of the t- cities in Yerushalayim, and they're in, in Israel, I'm sorry, in their list of gemachs, referred to an ear gemach, E-A-R gemach. Well, what in the world is an ear gemach, he wondered, and called the number that was associated with this ear gemach and asked what, pray tell, is an ear gemach. And this woman shared the following. She said, money, I don't have to lend out. Supplies, I don't have the assets to purchase to lend out. But I have a listening ear. And I have time. And you should know, if you ever have what to kvetch about, you need a listening ear to, to turn to, call me anytime, day or night. A fascinating way to express this idea we're part of a community. I'm not isolated on my own. I have something I can share with you. It could be finances. It could be medical supplies. It could be folding chairs. It could be my ear. And in so doing, in displaying that recognition that we're part of a larger whole and that we're interconnected with others, we play that Arbus card and it comes back in our favor. And we are then meritorious 
and as part of that Arvus judgment, the national judgment on Rosh Hashanah, and that we really do have more license and cause to be celebrating and in that celebratory state on Rosh Hashanah. As we approach the Parsha of Nitzavim and this message of the interconnectivity and the responsibilities that come with it and the benefits that come with it. And as we look at a Rosh Hashanah, which we now understand is also hinted in that Hayom, in that opening line of a Tamit Savim Hayom, because as we stand on that day of judgment, there is a major focus on to what degree we've activated this covenant of Arbus, of this interdependency that is described in this Parsha. We shall all merit having a good conclusion to this year, a wonderful year ahead, filled with much opportunity for shared Torah thought, uh, and as always, reach out to me with questions, concerns, comments, or issues you'd like to be addressed in other upcoming Tachlis Talks at tachliscoaching at gmail.com. And it should be a year in which individually and collectively, as each of us trying to perfect ourselves and recognizing the capacity we have to be influencing others and latching onto others, we should collectively continue to strive to achieve our Tachlis.